Hello, and welcome to the Property Solopreneur podcast, a show for property investors and developers who want to build and grow their own profitable businesses. I'm sharing with you my decades of property experience and interviewing many other successful property people who are happy to share their varied and priceless knowledge freely. Business doesn't need to be hard, and nor do you need to be lucky. But as a certified strategist, I know you need a plan to work to. And a good start is by listening to other people's successes and failures. Why reinvent the wheel? This allows us to have a more in-depth knowledge of the wider property world. Welcome to this week's episode of The Property Solopreneur and Property Long Term. That's what we all want to do because that's what makes us financially free and allows us to live the life that we want to. But it does have to be planned. And property investing, I think, always starts with a long-term plan, which then tells you exactly what you're going to be doing today and for the next 12 months. The short term, the fun bit, the bit that we really want to work in. Now, there's no right or wrong property strategy. And by that, I mean your strategy to get you from your starting position today, be that in debt or with funding, to your desired cash flow and asset holding goal. Because strategy is not the technique or property business model of, say, student HMOs or single lets. Strategy is the pre-thought out pathway to your destination using a variety of business models within that. You go and look at any guru or big cheese out there who you really admire in property. And you may have found them because they are doing the one thing that you want to do. But go and talk to them and you'll find that's not actually the only thing they do. That one technique may be what they teach or what they're known for. But behind the scenes, they've got lots of other things going on. And those are different business models and they all work differently within that. And quite often, you'll find people have done things like sourcing or flipping to get them started and to get them the seed funding that they need to make sure they can start buying assets. Because strategy is the plan that gets you to where you want to be as quickly as possible and as easily as possible. There is no point in working harder than you absolutely need to. There's lots of information out there that will mean that you don't have to learn everything for yourself. You don't have to make every mistake. You can work out what other people have done and copy them. Don't invent the wheel. And why not inventing the wheel? You've got to remember you've got a business. The trouble is property is fun. And that misleads so many of us into thinking, this is fun, it's not work, it's not really a business. Well, yes, it is. And with a business, you've got to be absolutely focused and you need a strategy to, as I say, to get you to where you need to be. Not only that, but each part of your business needs a strategy. So you'll have a strategy for social media. What, you know, how are you presenting yourself to the world and how are you marketing yourself? You'll have a strategy for exactly what you want to do with your finances and how you run and maintain your properties. There's no right and wrong on this. It's what do you want to do? Now, none of the things that I've just mentioned should be done on an ad hoc or as-you-go basis. To me, that smacks of someone who's having a fabulous time doing property, but not actually thinking as a CEO for the long term and may actually not be around for the long term. In no other business sector is it acceptable to say, I'm having a ball. I'm just taking out some whoppingly big loans and let's see what happens. Hopefully, we'll all end up somewhere where it's all been worth it. I don't think that's what happens. Trust me, take it from me. I've been in property for over 20 years and 20 years goes in a flash. So you've got to make sure that every single one of those 20 years counts because you don't get time happening a second time. I can't believe that 25 years have gone as fast as they have. No, absolutely determined 
that property investing is for financial freedom and all those lovely, lovely other things requires a long-term plan that's been well thought of. Because once you know that, you'll see that you've got lots of short-term work, little blocks of it, which up and running, then just form the bricks and mortar of your business, freeing you to go back to your short-term mindset. That's where the fun of property comes in. You've got that plan nailed down. And then you just knuckle down to doing whatever it is that you like doing, refurbs or flipping or whatever. You can then have fun in the short term. Because it works like this. Long term, you know what you want to have as your income. And there again, don't be shy. If you're looking at that white piece of paper, that piece of A4, or you know, you're looking at it on an Excel spreadsheet, stick a number in. No one can shout at you and say, that's far too much. You don't deserve to earn that. No, put it in. Then do the calculations. Can you now work out how many buildings you need to buy and of what sort? That's all you need to do. Work backwards. And if you've never given this a moment's thought, have a go. You will spot very quickly what kind of finance you're lacking to get you there. It's always, always the finance that stops us from getting out there shopping. It really is. And the shopping and finding the properties is what eventually makes us successful in property. Because honestly, when you get to your destination, for this all to have worked, you need to be able to say in your best Blue Peter way, here's one I made earlier. That is your properties, the investments that you bought, nurtured and grew into the lovely thing that you've got at the end. Time is the essential part of successful property investing. You can't buy. So you must make sure that you don't squander it as you go along. You can't just catch up somewhere else. Long-term planning starts now. It allows you to take action in the short term because you know exactly what you've got to do to get that income and how much money you've got to get, be it angel investor, commercial lending, joint venture, etc. Your job is then to take that and to find the property, refurb it, refinance it and pop it into the stable of properties that are in your portfolio, all quietly doing their stuff, bringing in the rent. And of course, this is not a guaranteed, so it shouldn't be depended upon, but rising in value. And the great thing about this is you just keep rinsing and repeating the system on whatever type of property you want to do and let it join the other properties so that you can forget about it and go back to the beginning and find another property to do. If you've got that long-term plan in place, you're going to find that you're going to have a medium to long-term plan on your wall as well, showing you where and how you're going there. And if you want to get that long-term result, don't go off-piste. It's so tempting, I know. You're, you know, a year or so into the whole thing, you've really mastered your skill and you go to a networking meeting and somebody at the front of the room talks about what they're doing and you just go, oh my word, why have I not known about this? Well, that's great. Go and find out more, but do not just drop everything and start again at the beginning with a new idea. That's when you go off piste and that's when you run into trouble long term with your plan. Terrible things can happen if you're not doing things for a reason. So we've got our long term. We've got our short term. Medium term is you're refinancing now and again as per requirements. Now, some people do that more than others, depending on their long term strategy. Some people start a very aggressive pay down straight away. Others prefer to do it quietly and, and carefully. But basically, what your properties are doing are exactly what you want them to do. You don't need to give them much thought other than have a look at the end of the year to make sure that they're still working in the right sector for the right location and for the right yield. They're chugging along, not taking up too much of your time. 
it's all about maintaining that planned income without still working at that insane pace that we all have to do in the startup or the growth spurt. Now, a property that's got no finance creates high levels of cash flow and equity. And that's worth remembering because it's like a film or book rights. Every time somebody uses it, you get paid and you're not doing anything. And that's really what happens in the medium term plan. Everything is just paying you and chugging along, doing exactly what you want it to do. You shouldn't have to give it much thought at all. Now, investors who are new to property, they throw themselves into the whole thing as if it's going to have a time expired date suddenly appear. Must fill my days 24-7 with property or I can't call myself a property investor. Yes, you can. You don't need to work 24-7. If you've got a plan, a long-term plan that tells you how many buildings you've got to buy in what years and how to do it, you can start being a steady eddy getting all these properties sorted out. Now, I had a good chinwag with a Scottish landowner last weekend, which is what made me think about all of this. And I was fascinated by the long-term planning that has to happen to ensure a very smooth transference of the next generation of owner. Well, I was amazed to discover that he equally thought that as important was to ensure that the properties have to have a smooth transference and appeal to the next generation of tenant. And he's been doing, you know, he took over this date 40 years ago and he said, you would be amazed that everyone thinks tenants are tenants are tenants and they're not. What a tenant is has radically changed from what they were 50, 60 years ago. You've got the tenant who is just renting because they are changing jobs regularly. You've got the tenant who is saving up for a deposit and is therefore probably in something cheaper than he would normally want to live in. You've got tenants who will never, ever own their own property. They're all very different and they've all got to be accounted for and attracted. But he said at this uh, he had planned, and he's now got it, to ensure that all but the last 10 years worth of building and buying, all the properties were unencumbered. And before the big shout, shout about not being tax efficient and everything else, you've got to remember this is part of a bigger picture. And his view was, and I know it's correct because it, it, it happens to me, that it's much easier to get funding for a new project without busting a gut if you've got unencumbered assets sitting in your portfolio. Lenders love it. And the unencumbered properties are throwing off considerable income. But his point was that property, of course, was only a part of his wealth. And he is seriously wealthy. And he said to me, well, don't forget that property and property investing is only one branch of a property income stream to people with money. And there's no other income stream from investment that allows you to buy on debt. And why would you allow yourself to have one whole branch that's basically at risk because at any point finance could ruin you? It's much easier just to have a solid, perhaps smaller, but more effective portfolio doing what you want it to do so that you don't become asset rich and cash poor. You've got assets and you're cash rich. That's a bit of a win-win. And he pointed out that, again, over the last 40 years, costs have totally spiralled from where they were projected to go. Partly because just to manage properties, for instance, either through an agent or having your own employee, it now costs more than it did in the past because the tenant is no longer sharing the burdens of tenant find and paperwork and running the agencies and all that kind of stuff. So that all has to be taken into consideration. But actually, he said, when you put all the costs down on paper, the thing that has cost him the most is tenants and their modern expectations. He's got to keep abreast of what they want and need. 
They vote with their feet if you don't provide what they want. You know, today's tenants want to live a life that is equal or above to what they've just left in a previous property or what they've grown up as their baseline. You know, 10 years ago, green stuff, not an issue, was it? You know, yes, there was double glazing, but it was so not standard that it was always put into the the paperwork. Double glaze throughout. My parents' first house had double glazing and it was called, you know, fully furnished and, and double glazed because they were in an army quarter. And mummy still laughs about it because that meant there were a, there was a radiator in both reception rooms. Nothing upstairs, nothing in the kitchen. That was fully central heated. Things have changed a little bit since then, I think. We all think, for instance, about upgrades on the properties inside. But actually, nowadays, it's as wise to think about the parking, the bicycle storage, and a really good secure area for that explosion in rubbish bins that are very much on the agenda. It is what certain people in property now really want to have if they are renting. Now, again, when I first started buying two up, two downs, my tenants were very much of a type. And I had quite an argument with my builder over the next point, because kitchens were designed for an oven, a hob and an undercounter fridge. And I was outraged at an undercounter fridge. Didn't think that was anywhere near enough. And he just went, look, you know, the tenants you're going to have, undercounter fridge is fine. That's all the food they can afford, frankly. And they go out buying it regularly. They don't need anything more. And if they did want a big fridge freezer, which is a very big outlay, because my word, they've come down in price, then they'll probably be buying their own property anyway. They are not necessary. They are so necessary now. And in fact, Base for a fridge freezer is now an absolute must. And the way that rental kitchens are designed are completely different to the past. They are designed now to make sure that you've got a space for a dishwasher, a washing machine. That's a lot to squeeze into a tiny little two up, two down. So I know if I'm buying one of those, it's going to be a structural change for all that's going to be required to fit all that in, or perhaps even an extension in some of the smaller properties. We've also spent years taking out water tanks and airing cupboards and turning them into en-suites or taking the space to create another room so I could get a two-bedroom house turned into a third. But suddenly, we've had to start putting the water tanks back in for various new heating systems. I didn't see that one coming. But anyway, my new best friend in property had 45 unencumbered single lets, which were bringing in roughly 30k per month after tax. Now, he's got other property holdings, but these were the bread and butter cash cows that he used, he always talks about. And he was saying that he'd seen seismic changes in the housing since he took over his estate 40 years ago. And he gave me some really good advice, which, when I thought about it, absolutely rang true. And it was this. For instance, if you think you've got a two up, two down, the answer is no, you haven't. What you've actually got is a reef walls and square footage. How the configuration will work in the future is anyone's guess. And looking back on what I've got in Stoke-on-Trent, is it rather proves the point. I've been there for 20 years. And when I first started buying there, a lot of the buildings had a very, they were, they were sold as a three bedroom, but they weren't. They were two bedroom with another bedroom tacked off the back. And you had to go through the second bedroom to get to the third bedroom. Modern misses don't like living like that. So you would turn, you'd have to lose a bit of space, put a corridor in and turn that bedroom probably into a small family bathroom, which kept it as a two bedroom, but then you got a third reception downstairs. So suddenly we'd completely reconfigured what we were using. And over time, that has changed back again. I have got bathrooms going back onto the ground floor and the, the tiny bathroom becoming a little bedroom upstairs. And that's because many people want to stay in their houses forever. And they know that when they get old, they'll want to live on the ground floor. 
Funny how these things go round in cycles, isn't it? Well, I thought about it a bit more and I remembered that in the 1970s, my in-laws went to upgrade some of our farm workers' cottages. Now, they were doing this because there was a really helpful government grant that they wanted to take advantage of. And that's a really good thing for an investor to do. One of the more elderly tenants flatly refused to allow them to mess about with what he considered to be a perfect house. It wasn't a perfect house, of course, but he thought it was. And who are we to tell him otherwise? Because the upgrade was to bring the bathroom and the loo into the house from the well-appointed outhouse at the bottom of the garden. He told the in-laws that he thought the whole idea was absolutely disgusting. Why would you want to have a loo inside your living space? He couldn't think of anything worse. Well, why indeed? I wonder what else we will view as unacceptable, quaint or essential in 50 years' time. The outhouses, incidentally, are still in use. They were converted into utility boot rooms, essential for those working on the land. If you've only ever lived in the town, you can have absolutely no idea just how many different types of wet weather and dry weather clothing there is required and how many types of footwear we can get through in a day or a season. It takes up a lot of space. Property, therefore, requires long-term successful planning. And good landlords know that they'll face a set of laws and scenarios that can't be imagined in their wildest dreams. No joke, actually. Who would have thought 10 years ago that plugging your car into your main's house would be thought of as absolutely normal? So you've got to have a plan for cash flow and finance that goes well beyond five year and 10 years. And just a point here, if you want cash flow to fund your lifestyle, you're going to have to do more properties than you think because a proportion of your income must be put aside to keep that golden goose in tip-top condition. It's something that so many of us overlook. Now, if this has got you thinking, don't know enough about this, and I need a good plan to either start, to grow or to scale, then come and talk to me. This is exactly what I do to help property people with. I make sure that all their hard work is focused on the right thing so that they work smarter, not harder, and that they've got an overarching strategy that gets them from where they are to where they want to be. Now, find my links in the show notes or find me at racheltroughton.com. And remember, my name is spelt R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And book a discovery call with me or a one-to-one mentoring or strategy session. It's that simple. Now, if you're thinking, now, Rachel, where are you going with this? I'm thinking about your end destination is not just about what you want. It's also about what the government wants and what your tenant demands. And the financial position that you want to end up with when you're ready to finish property. We're all going to die and it all needs to be disposed of either by selling it or handing it on. You don't want to end up in your old age as asset rich and cash poor. It's really no fun at all. So the end destination is the most important thing to crystallise if you actually want to achieve more than just having a great time doing property. There are a lot of property investors out there, but not a lot of property investors who make themselves financially free, location free and time rich. You'll spot them. They're the ones with the plan. And if you've not got a plan, then you're planning to fail. Thank you for listening to The Property Solopreneur with me, Rachel Troughton. If you've enjoyed this episode, do hit subscribe and kindly leave a review and share this podcast with anyone you think it would help on their property journey. If you'd like to get hold of my guide for building a successful property business, go to racheltroughton.com forward slash checklist. We only live one life. So let's get your dream a reality through building a profitable property business.